Well, it sounds good so far. You know, when Jim's nailing the audio cues like that, you are in for a good night. And tonight it's Monday night. We are here for another edition of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'm joined by a group of wizards here who are going to spend a little time talking poker with me, my favorite thing in the world. I'm Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home games and at Hold'em underscore Steeler on Twitter. I want to thank our sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino and Website Amp. So just like every week, here we are, boys and girls. We're playing in the nightly series on uh, Poker Stars with our play money chips to win one of these fancy bronze pins. And we could not be more excited to be here taking a forum post from the Rec.Poker forums and talking about it here with this group. This week, I'm joined by three friends, the first of which is the none other than Chris Jones. I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 five five on Poker Stars and Twitter. I'm John Somsky. I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 everywhere. And he is. So tonight we have a post from Chapo, uh, heads up for all the money in the home game. So I mentioned earlier, we play a, a several home games uh, here at Rec Poker every week. Don't need to tell John Somsky that. He's the one that puts them all together. He's our online home game uh, tournament director. And uh, there's one every night. And if you want to play, just go to rec.poker, get a free community account and sign up. Um, most of them are Hold'em. We also play mixed games every Saturday night. We've got an international series that start in the morning and in the afternoon for people in different area codes. And we've also got some uh, monthly uh, series uh, up there available to win yourself a pin and uh, have some fun with the rest of the Rec Poker community. So Chapo, who calls in from Australia, uh, our friend Troy has been killing it recently in the uh, home games is on a good streak and is <laughs> managed to get as far as second place. I won't put any spoilers out there on this post, but they managed to get at least as far as second place and they are heads up in the home game. The pin is on the line, folks. It's getting tense over there. And uh, he has a question about how he should have played this hand. So, just to take you through it, he is in the big blind and the button who gets to act first pre-flop but uh, second post-flop when your head's up uh, raises 2x to 3200. So the blinds are 800, 1600 and um, I think they're fairly deep. Uh, Chapo has 58,000 in chips and uh, now then KB, the villain, has 115,000. So they, there's tons of depth. Um, and now then KB, two X's to 3,200. And Troy, our friend Chapo, uh, three bets, an additional 5,440 to 8,640. Um, oh, sorry. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Did, did you uh, mention and, that he has five of clubs, six of clubs? Good point. I should. Okay. So yeah, Chapo's in there with uh, the six of clubs, five of clubs, the suited six, five. Um, and suited connectors are a good candidate for three betting, I think, depending on depth and how wide you want to be. It gives you a lot of unexpected board coverage. You can play aggressively on a lot of flops. So yeah, I like suited connectors in there. Maybe not at 100% frequency, but um, they're nice to have in that, in that stable of betting hands for sure. Uh, I mean, they also play nicely as calls. Don't get me wrong. It's one of the things about suited connectors. They're just good hands. 
Yeah, Chris. Yeah, especially heads up. I think there was a conversation in the in the forums, and there's some disagreement about maybe this should be a flat, whatever. I, I think that this is one of those hands we want to add to our three betting range when we're heads up. Ranges are incredibly wide once we get heads up. Uh, so we want to expand our three betting range. And I much prefer having hands for a couple of reasons, for board coverage reasons, uh, so that we have some low uh, uh, cards in our in our three betting range. And because... I think a hand like five, six, seven, eight, whatever plays. I'd much rather three bet that than like ace nine or ace 10 offsuit, you know, where we're just going to get ourselves into sort of a mountain of trouble uh, with this kind of hand. We're, we're going to know where we're at a lot better. Oh, we're not going to hit that ace and ha- have all these kinds of questions in a three bet pot. So I think these are the kind of hands we want to add to our three betting range when we're, when we're heads up. What do you think of the sizing? I thought it was a little strong. So let's look yeah, at the... For, you are going to be out of position for the entire hand. So I don't mind that. When I'm in the big blind playing heads up, I rarely raise because you don't have the button. So I may, I do most of my raising on the button. But if I am in the small blind or big blind and I raise, I do tend to upsize a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've raised bigger from the big blind because I want to just, or small blind rather, out of position. Let's that <laughs> out of position. Um, I am going to raise bigger because I just as soon take the hand down right there a larger percentage of the time. Yeah, and there's some. There, I love that we get some vibrant debate in these forum posts too. And and we'll as we talk about it, we're just going to pull some of the best pieces out of it. But you really should go and take a look at the uh, forum post itself because we don't have time to go through all the different posts and responses. But um, we do get some some uh, points here by our friend Kim at PetVet, who's advocating for playing it as a call pre-flop because of the stack size, 36 big blinds and being out of position. Uh, she doesn't want to bloat the pot. Um, and then there's some uh, questions about the sizing. And if you know Kim, the pet vet, all you need to know is that the sizing is never going to be 50%. So that just in case you were wondering, Kim, we are paying attention to that. Um, so yeah, I don't mind with the mixed strategy. I don't mind, like I like showing up. I, I don't know. I'm also a more aggressive player, so I'm going to have a wider three bet range than some, but I I'm with Chris, like when, when ranges get wide heads up three handed, I think opening ranges get wider. That means three betting ranges should get wider. Um, You know, people are going to be folding more. uh, Yeah. So I I don't think it's a wrong answer, but you know, I'm, I'm personally going to be inclined to, uh, to get aggressive with it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and we got some good comments in here from uh, Steve Fredland and a couple other folks. But so let's say that as played, you, you, we've decided to three bet it and it gets called. Um, the flop comes, what did we say? Ace of diamonds, three of clubs, four of spades. And we've got the five, six of clubs. So, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit first about the call um, because when I have tended to play heads up, there is not a lot of three bet calling. Um, because now it d- does depend there 
not too bad. They're fairly deep here. Often when I'm playing heads up, it's a little bit more shallow, so you don't have as much room to maneuver as well, which might be a, a differing factor here. But the fact that they called throws out, I mean, weeds down their hand tremendously mm. because they will have raised with nearing 100% of their range, you know, probably a 90% range type of thing. But by the time they call a three bet, now they're probably down to like the top 20, 25%, mm -hmm. um, maybe even tighter depending upon the player. So um, I think when we look at the flop, that comes into play a little bit. I think that's a really good point. And, yeah. And one thing to really, that, that throws off, when we're playing heads up, we have to think about, like I think that this this particular flop that we're about to look at is key to thinking about that. When somebody calls you, typically in this spot, when you have three bet and an ace shows up, you have a significant, as the three better, have a significant range advantage. I think in this case, we, we have, if an ace shows up, we have a nuts advantage because we get flatted rather than four bet. But I think what actually happens when ranges are this wide <coughs> that the caller has more aces in their range than we do because some of our aces are going to be um, are going to be flats. And I think a huge number of their aces are going to call this three bet and only the very tippy top, which we can still have and they can't. But that's going to be very significant as this hand plays out because it, it typically that is not what happens. Um, so an ace high flop is a very significant development when we're heads up in this kind of spot. Point of the episode right there, I think, Chris Jones. If we were if we were going to steal something from our friends at the Post Flop Podcast and give out, is it the award or the medal or something of uh, the episode? Yeah, so Merv's you'd, medal. Merv's you'd get medal. that one. That'd be Merv. If you're listening, we need one of your medals. Maybe you can send that in the air mail over here for Chris Jones. Great point, Chris. Um, and I think th that range construction is really important here because we said earlier one of the reasons that six five suited made a good three bet was because their opening range was so wide, they were going to fold a bunch of their garbage. So when they don't fold, <laughs> you can confidently remove a bunch of the garbage from their range. And what does that leave? Mostly the better hands that they chose to continue with. And that's going to be a lot of unpaired aces, a lot of paired cards, a lot of, you know, two Broadway cards, a lot of suited connectors. Um, they were, they're going to be in position so they have a you know they, they can call a little lighter than if they were going to be out of position but it's still going to be the better cards that they had so um i think that's a really good point i think that's a really good point so the flop comes ace of diamonds three of clubs four of spades we've got uh the five six of clubs and it's our action so i'm i'm probably leading here uh, pretty widely because I'm not smart enough to realize Chris's point that actually they have a bunch of aces. <laughs> uh, I, I'm in, my my instinct is to bet is to see bet here pretty widely because it's that kind of one high card, two low cards rainbow that is just hard to have a good draw on. Um, and so, kind of similar to preflop, their range 
does not enjoy this flop texture very much, I think. Um, so I'd be and we're open-ended. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. And we got a backdoor flush, but, you know, right. yeah. The, I mean, we have a lot of, and, and no showdown equity. So mm -hmm. to me, this feels like, yeah, let's let's try and let's try and end it here. Um, Chapo does make a bet, which uh, is about eighty-eight forty, which is about half pot at that point, I think. So we know Kim doesn't approve because it's a half pot bet. So pet vets pet vets vexed right now about that. Um, and I think I agree with Kim, who isn't here, but that's what she would say, that you can achieve the same, because this is basically a, a, a bluff, because you want them to fold a bunch of their range, you can do it with a smaller sizing here. Well, this, is, this is that typical board, too. You got, it's rainbow, you got one high card and two small cards. Mm. Not real connected because of three fours of low. So, I mean, if it was something like seven, eight in the middle, you might get a little bit more worried about straights and that sort of thing. But if somebody's not going to call a three bet with six, five, right. Right. <laughs> right. But not often. Not often. So I would think that this would be something that you could go like a third pot because yeah. it, he's either going to call or, or fold regardless of the bet size. Right. Yeah. And that's where, that's where that, that comes in, especially on this type of flop. Our, yeah, I our think objective here pot. is, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Quarter to third pot. Um, our objective here is not to fold out anything that had, you know, had either pairs. I don't think we're folding out any pairs. I don't think we're folding out an ace for sure. We're probably not folding out a three or four if that can somehow be there. Um, and, um, you know, I think what we're hoping to fold out is like the jack tens of the world that, you know, sort of somehow, you know, like, well, I'll, I'll call and see where i can hit nah, this this board's not for me that's what we want to get out of this and we can get those to fold for a smaller bet and i think it is valuable to get those folds like i think yeah, yeah, yeah. having having our exact hand um we do want to we do want to fold those hands out so there's something to that i wonder how strong would our hand need to be where we chose not to see bet here because we're only going to get hands that are worse than ours to fold like if we had, I don't know, pocket nines or pocket tens or something, does that does that change how you are thinking about this? I mean, I guess you still, well, it's, yeah, I don't know. Still might get a weak ace to fold, or yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think yeah, I think I would bet those hands. The thing too. is, is once you're, you're called on the flop here with that particular flop um i mean it's a relatively dry flop yeah the caller because of the three bet pre um hands like deuce five should be out of the mm -hmm. out of the range and there aren't going to be a lot of threes and aren't going to be a lot of fours there either so if they're calling that means they've either got a pocket pair and they don't believe you have the ace or they have the ace mm -hmm. um so I'd probably continuation bet, but I think I would tend to bet smaller because in I tend to bet smaller continuation betting almost always when I'm heads up mm -hmm. because you're going to be making a lot of plays at a lot of pots. So in order to make that affordable for you, you need to be able to uh, make those at a smaller sizing. Mm -hmm. So um, 
I would probably continuation bet, but I think once I get called, I'm thinking pretty hard about shutting it down. Yeah, Chris is giving the old heave ho and if you're watching along on video. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great that's a great point, John, because um almost regardless of the sizing, because their continuing range is gonna be pretty inelastic to sizing anyway, I think whether it's a quarter of a pot, third pot, half pot, as it turns out here, when they do call, you've basically nailed it. Because the board has so few draws on it, they can really only have an ace or a pocket pair, most of them, like almost every pocket pair. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're still going to feel like um, yeah. they're in a good spot there. So. We're probably getting four bet by some of them, but, you know, I think yep. any any pocket pair, you know, tens and lower maybe i don't even tens are probably maybe for betting us but um but yeah they can have any of those sort of marginal pairs and the ace i think is what we're looking at so and so this is where the the decision point comes for chapo so what ends up happening so chapo does bet about half pot now then kb calls in position and the turn comes the 10 of clubs so the pot's got to be something around 25,000 at this point. Um, Chapo's got 41,000 behind. And the board is ace of diamonds, three of clubs, four of spades, 10 of clubs. And we've got five, six of clubs. So we've got the open-ended straight draw. Now we've got a flush draw. Um, it's it, there's only one card to come, so uh, we have to use the rule of two here, but we have a lot of outs. Um, I'm always tempted to play these spots aggressively because I feel like I picked up equity. In fact, one of our first forums editions, I think, was one of my hands where I shoved a turn because I picked up some equity. And as I learned that day from talking to these wonderful wizards, and as I think uh, Chapo is picking up here, um, there are two factors that count against that. The first is that, as we said, there's only one card to come. So you don't really have as much equity as you think you do uh, if you had all, that, all those draws on the flop. The second is your opponent's range has changed because they called your bet on the previous flop. So one of the things that's great about shoving these low equity, high, uh, sorry, high equity, low showdown hands is that they have a lot of fold equity. So when they don't get folds, you've got all these redraws and that's what makes them profitable shoves. When you're in a situation where they've defined their range as being garbage-less, uh, like at this point, they're basically holding value hands and bluff catchers. Um, and you're, you're, you're not gonna have as much fold equity as you need to make that shove possible. So to spoiler alert, so, um, well, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about that generally before we go to results? First I think all, we can talk a little. Go ahead. You start. I Ron. was just going to say that the pot size is probably more like 32,000. Oh, yeah, no, okay. There's at least four bets of 86 or more. Yeah, you're right. In there. So there's like 34,000, 35,000. So, so it's a smaller over bet. What, what Chapel ended up with was a little over a pot size bet. So go ahead, John. I was just going to mention. Well, that. I was just going to do a little bit of ranging of our opponent. So <clears throat> when they called us on the flop, they would have called with all of their aces, uh, probably all of their kings, queens, jacks, maybe tens, maybe any pair over a three or a four 
they might even call. Um, and obviously the threes and fours would call too. So the point being is if we make a big bet at this, I mean, it, it, with the pot size the way it is, all in is basically our only bet unless we want to leave a little bit behind to to play with. But an all-in bet is certainly a reasonable uh, bet sizing. Do we have any fold equity? I mean, what are they going to fold? They, I, I don't think in a heads-up game you're going to fold any ace. No. Um, I mean, even like ace-deuce or ace-six – um, I mean, ace six is probably the worst ace right. here yep, because there's is. no straight and it's the lowest value. And I don't see you folding that. So the only thing you're going to get to fold are some of the pocket pairs that are just a little bit above there. And you're blocking fives and sixes, which uh, you have a potential of getting to fold. So I think you're, you have you have about 30% equity in the pot. You have 15 outs times two. That gives you about 30% equity. And I don't think you have hardly any fold equity. Yep. I mean, maybe like yeah. they fold 5% of their holdings, 10%. I totally agree. Like I, I, the question really is whether they're going to fold nine. You write, it's a really good point that we block fives and sixes, but it's nines through fives. I think are the the only hands that we hope to possibly be able to fold. I don't think anybody's folding an ace. If they have any kind of like, if they have a set of tens or over pairs or sets of threes or four, there's no way those hands are folding. So it's just these small, it's this very narrow range of the pocket pairs, which we block some of. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... And, and here's the other thing. I think, that if they do have one of those sort of marginal hands that we are beat by right now, that if we check this and they have an A6, that is that is a very possible that we're going to get to see a river card for free. Like, they may very well check back A6, whereas they're going to maybe call down our shove, but we can maybe see some of that equity uh, through with a lot of these holdings. So... I really like a check here. Um, I don't like the all-in. Let's see if uh, Jonathan Little has anything to add, and then we'll get back and share some more thoughts on this. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. Sounds like a good idea, folks. I'd do it. He sounded angry. I wouldn't piss him off. I'd go and sign up right now if I were you. Um, and while you're at your keyboard, you should go to smallsmallbusiness.com. Uh, Steve Fredland, our host and founder and grand leader, um, likes to work with small business owners to help them move from chaos to confidence. So if you or anyone you know is a small business owner, please go to smallsmallbusiness.com and see how you can work with Steve. So Chapo here, Troy, says that um, he feels like he's in this spot. He's got some knock-on problems from the flop, which I just love the way that he's talking about that. Um, 
And we often do get into these situations where, you know, an error on a previous street or maybe just a sizing error or something on a previous street puts us in a spot where we now end up feeling like we almost have to compound our errors because we can still make it. And uh, I, I suffer from this all the time. And I think, I, I think it was Rob that said earlier, if the flop bet was smaller, the SPR is completely different on the turn here. And you, you don't have to make this over bet shove. If he bets closer to a quarter pot on the flop, it only gets called a quarter pot. The flop's much smaller. The pot geometry just works. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do think you get the same number of folds. So I feel like when, when you get here on the turn, you just have more chips behind and you can kind of take a, a realization line at that point. Does that make sense to you guys? The thing that I was really thinking about with this, because I think it's a really good example. And I think when we're, we're heads up, the thing that I was really thinking about in terms of what hands would I shove like this? And I think for me, it is, uh, Villain has really weighted them towards having an ace. So I think the hands that we really would shove a lot with here are three sets of threes and sets of fours because we don't block them having that ace, but we mm. beat it. Cause there are going to be some examples where we have really good aces here, but I'm not, I think I would check those as well because I want villain to bet those and I want to call them. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I might shove ace King, um, but sets of threes, sets of fours and ace King are the ones I think, that were sets, sets of tens could play this way too. Yeah, sets of tens. That's a good right. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and I guess you could have some uh, wheel ace two pair combos too that I think would also play mm -hmm. well. Um, yep. Yep. So ace three, ace four. Those that's a good point. So there's really... actually there's there's no shortage of candidates to make that right. play with. Um, so then. We're saying, John, uh, Chris. Just let me paraphrase for a sec. We're saying that because because we've contorted their range to to the point where it only has value hands we we actually don't have a bluffing range here we're just constructing a uh, a value range that we would take in this spot essentially like that's what we're talking about sets and two pair hands um and i think that's a really good point that you don't always have to have a balanced range you don't always have to have a bluffing range you know your range is should have to do with the problem that's in front of you right and that, that goes back to like the dynamic of this board because it because we're heads up and because it's an ace high board if this was a king three four board or a queen three four board i think that opens up this this sort of the opportunities here a lot more i think villain has far fewer of those in range i think we have more bluffs on a board like that um but the ace high board is really tricky in this kind of spot. Yeah, I think so too. Just because what it does, what it does to their range. And um, we, we talk about this from time to time. I, I totally stole this from the thinking poker guys, but this notion of contorting your opponent's range, um, it's something that you get to do according to the sizes that you choose for your betting. You know, the bigger your bets are, the stronger their range is gonna be when they continue through that action. So you do kind of have a choice in how strong you want their range to be on future streets. And you can contort that range by 
making bigger or smaller bets according to your preference. So bet sizing, I honestly feel something like recreational players should really spend time drilling down into bet sizing, SPR, setting up bet the right size shove on future streets. Um, You can do it to your advantage with value and with bluffs. And uh, it's something that really, um, I think a lot of people would benefit from, from some study. So any closing thoughts here? Uh, before we wrap it up and get back to beating each other black and blue for our play money chips in the rec poker nightly home game. Doesn't look like it. All right. Well then without any further ado, thank you Chapo for your excellent post. Thanks website amp. Thanks running aces, hotel, racetrack and casino. Thanks Chris Jones, Rob Washam, John Somsky. Have a great week, everybody. 